Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Mike. And I'm Nate. What are we smoking today, Mike? We are smoking a Macanudo Inspirado Black. Uh, last season, we smoked an Inspirado Red. Yes. Uh, yes. Ooh, this one is a bit sweet uh, on the cap here. I was not oh, expecting yeah. that. I cannot tell why I have high expectations from this cigar. Me as well. Uh, I am pairing this with a Lagunitas Island Beats Tropical IPA for any of those that are interested. I am pairing it with a stone fence and uh, potentially a Nordeast. And again, I have faith in you. (laughs) I didn't finish my Nordeast on the last episode, so. Yes. Well, on the last episode, Mike did most of the talking, uh, which was not normal, (laughs) probably for our our show. (laughs) For a Mike knows, for a Mike knows, it's normal. Hopefully, yes. everybody found that to be, uh, if not educational, at least uh, interesting. And maybe you'll go out and watch some uh, some uh, some videos and learn about the fascinating world of the Amish. So. Yes, further extracurricular learning on the Amish. This episode, we are going to catch each other up on the movies we have been watching. And yes. I don't know. I feel like I would like to start because the one of the movies that I want to talk about kind of ties into the Amish episode that we did last week. <laughs> so because uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's, it'll be longer than that now when, when this episode makes its way to the listeners' ears, but the Oscars happened recently. And uh, my Sarah and I like to watch all of the best picture-nominated films. And by and large, we generally just do that over the course of watching movies throughout the year. Um, There are a few that we had to catch up on before the Oscars, and one of those was called Women Talking. Have you heard of this film, Mike? I have not. Okay. So the premise is it's based loosely on a true story or inspired by a true story. Let's say inspired by because... The what the event that kind of kicks kicks is the catalyst for the film really happened, which was in this Mennonite community, the men were using uh, cattle tranquilizer on the women to rape them. And then the women were like, wait a second, like I'm pregnant and I shouldn't be pregnant. And I woke up in a mess of blood and and stuff. And the men were like, "Uh, it's got to be ghosts or Satan or something. Certainly. And so basically this was happening. Is this a true story or is this a made up story? No, this is, this is a true thing that happened. There's a oh, no. community and this <laughs> is what horrible. happened. And this was the, and this was the inciting incident. And then everything after that in this movie is, is make believe. And so it's okay. really kind of a strange movie because it starts out with, it doesn't graphically show all of this stuff. I mean, it shows some of the aftermath and things, but then there's uh, there's an awful lot of narration in this movie, and it's already called Women Talking. So when it starts out with narration and it's called Women Talking, you just know there's going to be a lot of talking in this film. And they kind of do the setup where the men are doing all this perverse stuff, and then a thing pops up on screen and says, what follows now is a feminist interpretation of you know whatever. And so the whole premise is kind of like, putting democracy without violence in action. And that's what everybody, not everybody, but that's what, you know, those people who saw this film see as its message. So all of these Mennonite women who can't, uh, you know, kind of like the Amish, they don't get to make any choices in church. They can't read or write. 
they're kind of confined to their homes or their knitting circles or whatever. So they go up in the hayloft and they get a vote from all the women in the community on whether to stay and forgive the men because they have a certain amount of time to decide to forgive the men because the men all got arrested, but they're going to come back because the church or the community is bailing them out or getting them released from prison or jail. And they're all going to come back and they have to decide, the women have to decide if they're going to forgive the men and do nothing, if they're going to fight the men when they come back, or if they're going to leave the community. So a lot, an awful lot of talking. But I'm sure you've seen films that have not a lot of locations, right? Like maybe a film that takes place in a single room or you know, one or two locations. And a lot of times those movies can be terrible. Um, but if they're done well, they can, you can build a lot of tension in like one location. So this movie doesn't do that at all. And it's a long movie. And then it was touted as, see what women can do if they have democracy, they can democratically do things without violence. Except, and this might be spoiling the ending, but I doubt this is one you'll watch after what I just told you about it and my thoughts on it. Uh, except that one of the women, they ultimately vote to leave after going back and forth and back and forth. And uh, and so they said, look what we can accomplish without violence. Except one of the women used the cattle tranquilizer on her son to force him to leave the community with her. So I don't understand where people get off saying that this is democracy without violence. Hmm. Is that because part certainly, of the movie or is that part of the that's real a, story? No, no, that's all part of the movie. The only real story thing I know is that these Mennonite <sighs> men horse tranquilized or cattle tranquilized their women and kind of got to do whatever they wanted to do with whomever. But they gave the they gave an award, I think, to the director or writer of this uh, film. And when I saw this person, because we, we started watching with the red carpet or, you know, whatever, the champagne carpet that they did this year. And they're like, and here's so-and-so who did women talking. And I'm like, oh, God, they're going to give this person an award. Just based solely on their look, because it's like the hipster, the hipster feminist. You could just like just looking at this person, and I don't mean this. I don't want to sound like terrible with this, but just looking at this person, I, the whole movie made sense. I'm like, okay, got it. So I don't recommend that one. And then uh, I'm gonna go with the two bad ones, and then we'll get into some of the stuff that you watched too, because I don't have much to say on this next one. We also watched Tar, which was Kate Blanchett, and she's a, a conductor. And it's all, it's, this is a whole fictional piece now, this tar. But basically, she's playing the female version of Harvey Weinstein. And nothing, I mean, she has to go conduct in Asia somewhere, I think. But otherwise, nothing really bad happens to her. And so when we're you supposed said conductor, to watch. I immediately thought Casey Jones style train conductor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, she's doing like, she's doing all the Harvey Weinstein stuff. Like, oh, I've got a new uh, viola player, but only if she can please me in bed or something. And uh, well, that's pretty common in Hollywood. Uh, when the Me Too thing was going on, there was a lot of men that were talking about the casting coach they have to go through as well. It just wasn't on the, it wasn't on yeah. CNN. You know what I mean? Like it was online, but it wasn't talked about in mainstream media. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the Brendan Fraser stuff and uh, he's back and he won best, best actor. So that was all I cared about uh, from that night. But yeah, I was like, it's weird to watch like a female version of Harvey Weinstein and then supposed to think it's a good movie when nothing really bad happens to her. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to cheer for a Harvey Weinstein character, whether it's the real Harvey Weinstein or a fictionalized female version of him or like just like I'm not going to cheer for uh, Epstein or... Uh, 
whatever whatever his right hand woman was. I can't uh, Giseline Maxwell. Like I'm not going to cheer for those people because they're terrible people. Right. It's not a feminist empowering story just because it's a woman doing something bad. Yeah. As far as I'm aware. I am uh, about a half an inch into this. Uh, this reminds me of a premium shrew. It's very dark. It's very sweet. Um, and the smoke is definitely smoother than a shrew, but I like it a lot. Man, this one is great. This one I really like. You're going to love when we do the shrew series, which we have to get a few more for. But Yeah, I know. I um, accidentally, <laughs> I'm going to say accidentally, uh, we had some company over and I accidentally smoked the last... Uh, Kentucky sure you gave me, so I'll probably have to get some oh, more no, of my I only own. have the rest of my box left. Or, or load, you <laughs> some, load load up from your from your place. Yep, absolutely. So now you were saying uh, in between episodes that uh, you watched Avatar 2, uh, The Way of Water. I did. I did. Uh, Sarah and I watched it in theaters uh, recently, and uh, I liked it. I thought it was better okay. than the original one. Uh, the original one I didn't think was a very good story. I thought it was boring. Well, it's Pocahontas with blue people. Right. It was Native Americans in space. And this one is as well, but it adds more story elements to it. And it makes it more uh, interesting as a storyline, even though it's relatively predictable. But the visuals were excellent and the story I thought was better. Okay, Definitely worth the price of admission to a theater if you can get a good, comfortable chair to lay down in for three hours. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty good, I, I thought, overall. Okay, yeah. I wasn't super thrilled with the first Avatar. I mean, you know, the first one was visually stunning as well. Um, I can only imagine this one's even better given the time gap between the two, right? And the technology. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's super impressive. Uh, we did not watch it in 3D. I'm not into 3D. I'm not really into been. 3D either. It's kind of, it's weird. Yeah, but I thought it was good. It was very strange um, because it's like all these half-naked women uh, all the time. And uh, interesting, though, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's an experience, like I say. It, it's worth watching, I, I and, would say. And Especially you if you to... can see it on a big screen. Yeah. Would you say rewatch the first one to go into the second one, probably? No. No, no, no. No, it's not that complicated of a story. It's, no, okay, it's almost yeah, like a rehashing so. of the first story. It's okay. like Avatar 2.0. Literally. Well, he's got, like, what, five more sequels planned for the Avatar thing, so... I saw that. I saw I'm that. I'm not... And they did set up the next movie. Okay. With a cliffhanger. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But he's not that young anymore, so I don't know how he plans on getting all these done, but I guess that's for him to worry about, not me. Right. Big plans. Big plans. I don't know if this... You know, like I say, they're not that... They're not moving intellectually by any yeah, means. Yeah, yeah. But they are interesting to watch as far as the visuals and everything. Yeah. And it what was What else nice. have you been watching? Mandalorian. Have you been watching The Mandalorian? Yeah. And so wait, uh, real quick on the Avatar, you said that you and Sarah and your Sarah got into or disagreed on Avatar Way of Water. Yes. We disagreed because I said it was better than the original. And she thought that the original was better. Okay. Uh, Yes. It wasn't like a a rhubarb over... (laughs) over Yeah, but but so so basically (laughs) you both you both enjoyed it then. It wasn't like mm-hmm. you enjoyed it, and, and she thought it was Hocus Pocus too. No, no, no. She she enjoyed it. Okay. Hocus Pocus too. She enjoyed Hocus Pocus <laughs> too. Too. Yeah. I know she did. I don't I know why. I was so sour. Yeah. I was so sour. Um, um, and we did a whole episode on Hocus Pocus too, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Mandalorian. We've been watching that. We finished uh, Book of Boba Fett, and uh, we're working our way through the Bad Batch as well. Oh, see, I need to start the Bad Batch, but Sarah hasn't watched. Any of the Clone Wars or anything like that, so I have to basically watch that alone. Um, yes, because where she would be totally lost. 
which is fine unless you wanted to watch Clone Wars again. But she's yes. doing a Marvel movie marathon, so I've watched a lot of the Marvel movies for the first time. Okay, because uh, I'm not a Marvel cinematic universe type person. Yeah, how did you like? Either. Um, how did you like uh, Boba Fett? I like Boba Fett. I liked Boba Fett a lot better than uh, Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. I I I I didn't read all of the stuff, but I saw that there was some internet discourse on the uh, Tuscan Raiders, the Sand People, or why they were there, their treatment of them, or something. I don't know what, but uh, I kind sure. of enjoyed learning a little bit more about them in there. Um, some of the stuff it was, I mean, it was a little slower paced than I than I guess I was kind of expecting, but. It was kind of neat seeing him get out of the Sarlacc pit and kind of befriend the Tuscan Raiders. And then um, I'm trying to remember her name. That is his right-hand woman. Oh, yeah. I can't remember her name. Uh, the Bounty Hunter. But she makes an appearance. Um, and we're only a couple episodes in on the Bad Batch. But um, if you've seen Book of Boba Fett, you will notice uh, a certain Bounty Hunter that is in there. And so I think Book of Boba Fett was... I think that was John and Dave Filoni, and Mandalorian is John and Dave Filoni, and Bad Batch is John and Dave. So sure. um, those I think ones... that Sarah not watching Clone Wars really limited her enjoyment of Boba Fett because it had a lot of. Uh, I did like seeing Chad Bane. In it. I did as well. Yes, I thought it was great. I actually like you know, like Ooh, in the in the living room, and she was like, what "Yeah, what are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so. but yeah, Mandalorian is is great. Um, the new episode comes out uh, Wednesday, and uh, the last one that we watched was the last one that came out uh, with Bo-Katan and uh, Post Living Waters. Yeah, we uh, we watched it as well. I I thought it was not. I don't like the Book of Boba Fett style, taking the storyline off into this random area. That doesn't have anything to do with the beginning and the end of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they brought the doctor um, back. Uh, they did in this last episode uh, from the it was first good. season. It was good. It was interesting. I'm not gonna say it wasn't, but it wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, but see, uh, I think what they're doing, and it's not really what I wanted, but they did that in Book of Boba Fett uh, mm-hmm. with the Mandalorian, and uh, you know, bringing him in, and that was to set up the final, the final conflict. So it was, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm expecting that they didn't do this because they were out of ideas. They did this because they need to set stuff up for more greatness to come. I think that's what they're doing. It was just not off-putting, but a little weird. Yeah, it's just I want to see you know uh, Din and and Grogu. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Right. I wanted to see. I wanted to see the story that happened that continued after the last five minutes of the show. Yeah. Um, but it is, it was neat seeing like, uh, Coruscant again, you know, cause this is then post return of the Jedi and seeing all the Imperial, uh, Star Destroyers being decommissioned and see, and that broke me. I didn't like that part. I didn't like that aspect of it because, uh, I guess this is a spoiler for those who haven't seen it yet. So be aware but it is not realistic that the public is just going to throw away all this imperial technology. That's nonsense. Of course, well, they would reuse all that stuff. It's still perfectly good, and it's not like not compatible. And if they've already established that the Republic is having issues with getting materials and getting, you know, being able to run the old empire, so why wouldn't they use all that stuff? You yeah, I, mean? I guess my my problem. Well, I liked seeing them, like, you know, have a Star Destroyer in the shipyard to be 
decommissioned or deconstructed or whatever. And I guess my kind of assumption with that was they're going to strip it for parts because it was all still functional. Like they went onto it and it was functional. But when uh, the doctor was working at his job and they were like, oh, this is going to be destroyed because it's imperial. Like that was like, I don't, and that's where the same kind of thing. Like I had less of a problem with the Star Destroyer because that's like, that's like a symbol of the empire, right? So they have to do something different with it probably, or you'd probably want to. You know, people who win a war don't generally go and use the enemy ships. But they used to back in the day. Oh, well, maybe. In, in the seafaring days, they would just retrofit their stuff on top of the old ship. And okay. it would now be rechristened as the whatever, yeah. whatever ship. And it used to be a Spanish ship, and now it's an English ship or whatever. Yeah. It used to be a French ship, and now it's a Spanish ship. <laughs> I had less issues with the Star Destroyer thing because I just felt like they were probably taking the parts and putting them on something else. But when they were like, you can't have a portable med lab because that's Imperial technology. Like, that's where I was kind of like, really, though? Like, you're not going to... That's all nonsense. Isn't, the technology important to you? Right. The technological spectrum seems to be all the same between the Empire and the Rebels. So yeah, yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. That was like yeah. garbage, especially after they had the people in Coruscant not really care that the government had changed. You know, they kind of showed that the average citizen. Well, yeah. And that one guy was like, he was like blabbing and his wife was like, no, honey, that was the Empire. And he's like, Empire, New Republic. What's the difference? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, they had that earlier. But Coruscant is like the yeah. But Coruscant is like the wealthiest planet. So why would they care? They've they've paid both parties, you know. Right. And people on the rim don't care because it's the same nonsense no matter what. Well, yeah, and the people on the rim are struggling to survive regardless of who's in charge. So they don't care. Right. It's very. I was disappointed with the third episode, but I'm overall excited about the the series. You know what? I thought it was fine. It was a little bit of a. You know, a shift, but yes. all in all, it was fine. And I guess if Boba Fett was still going on, which it's not, I think it's done, uh, I would be a little more upset because they had a couple episodes in Boba Fett that felt like Mandalorian episodes. And so we started That's watching why. We started watching <laughs> Mandalorian 3 and we're like, wait, Grogu's back? And they never explained it. But then if you watch Book of Boba Fett, there's a whole episode about how Grogu left and went to go find... Mando. And so I'm like, well, why wouldn't you put that in Mandalorian? Why would you put that in Book of Boba Fett? Like, put that episode in the Mandalorian episode where it belongs, you know? Um, we called uh, Boba Fett Mandalorian 2.5 in my house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, so, uh, and so you're watching the Marvel stuff, and so I kind of got a little bit of a, a Marvel taste with how they did that. And uh, because... The first phase of the Marvel movies were great because you could just you could just watch the movies because they were making the movies and you, and you didn't have to see Avengers seventeen to understand Iron Man twenty four. You know you could watch Iron Man one, you could watch Endgame, Infinity War, and have never and never have watched like Black Widow or some of these other whatever. You know like and I don't know what all was in phase one, uh, but we watched Spider Man No Way Home with all the mm-hmm. three Spider Men. And it just felt laborious to watch some of the scenes where they were talking about things that happened in other Marvel movies. And it's like, look, I just want Spider-Man with the other two Spider-Men. Like, I don't care what happened in the other Marvel movies. I just want the three Spider-Men together. Like, I don't, you know, so it starts to feel a little laborious. And so I'm hoping that that's not the the way that they're going to go with Mandalorian, because I really don't want to have to watch 15 
series to get the full picture from one series that I enjoy. So, right. I, I don't want to agree with you. I know that's a theme, uh, but I don't want to have to have an associate's degree in the Marvel universe to be able to watch the new Marvel movie. Yeah. And that's the way it is. It's been that way. That's what the early Marvel movies did. Great. You didn't have to be a comic book person. You didn't have to know all these characters. And it, and if you did, you got little like uh, like you got little inside jokes or inside references and stuff. But the average moviegoer could go and watch Iron Man or Ant Man, and they didn't have to know all of the the lore and backstory. But now they're so far into this cinematic universe that, and with the with the Thanos snap, like it it was such a huge thing that you can't not talk about it. But then by talking about it, you're reminding people, hey, you need to go back and watch that. Or if you haven't seen it, you don't know what we're talking about. So they're, they're, I don't know if they're gatekeeping themselves <laughs> or whatever, but like they're kind of like, no, you have to go back and watch the rest of the stuff. Otherwise, you're not going to get this movie. And it gets tiresome as a, as a movie viewer. And even as one who saw the movie that they're referencing, but I was like, I don't, like, I'm done with that. That's over. That storyline's over. I just want to watch Spider-Man do Spider-Man stuff. You know, like I don't need... Right all this backlash for things that happened elsewhere. It's uh, always interesting. Boba Fett was a good example of them going the wrong direction in the Star Wars universe because I really enjoyed it. Sarah didn't really enjoy it that much because yeah. she hasn't watched a lot of the backstory type of stuff, and I have. Yeah, um, It relied a little too heavily on understanding the Star Wars universe, so to speak. And I really liked yep. it. But. Oh, and I, and you know what? And I liked it too. And I think the only, and yeah, you know what? Book of Boba Fett was for Star Wars fans and Star Wars nerds and people who have watched everything. And it's a one season thing and it's done. And, the and only I appreciated mis- that, by the way. Yes. I, I, yes I, I did appreciate that little bump. And the, and the only mistake they made in my mind was putting an episode of Mandalorian in Book of Boba Fett. That should have been the first episode of Mandalorian season three, right? Potentially. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because because we were like, Sarah and I were watching Mandalorian season three, but we hadn't seen Boba Fett yet. And, and all of a sudden there's uh, there's Mando and a brand new ship with Grogu. And it's like, well, what, what happened with Luke? Like, what? what? Mm-hmm. How did? And they never mentioned it in season three. So you have to watch Book of Boba Fett, at least that one episode where Mando's building his new ship and and uh, Ahsoka. I think I warned Luke, you about that, didn't I? And possibly. I don't always listen. Uh, but you know, and like Grogu and Luke are making this like ultimatum and, and stuff, you know, and it's like, well, that should have been in, that should have been in Mandalorian. Like, let's just, you know, I know you're trying to cross promote and you have this big Star Wars universe now as well as the Marvel universe, Disney, but you can keep, you can keep things separate. You know, you don't have to watch Book of Boba Fett or you shouldn't have to, to enjoy Mandalorian. It's cool that they do crossover episodes. Like, that's fine. I don't care about that. But you shouldn't be putting main plot points in a different TV series. I agree. I'm excited for the Ahsoka show as well. Um, yep, and I like well. that they used her in uh, Boba Fett a lot. I was like, hell yeah. You know? Yep. That's great. Uh, so how about other movies? You've seen other movies? Uh, yeah, I've been watching. Sarah watches movies and I kind of sit there. <laughs> okay. Because I've watched a bunch of other movies we can talk about too. Okay, that uh, that sounds good. Yeah, because we've been watching a lot of Marvel movies, and okay. the Marvel movies are just—they're not really my thing, uh, especially yeah, me, the later ones where it's. I, I like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies; they're fun. Um, yeah, they're fun, and so far you you don't have to watch a whole lot of other things to kind of get the get the gist. No, Ant, Ant- Man. I watched both of the Ant Man movies, and they were surprisingly good. Did you I see the, the newest? The newest them. one. 
No, that's in theater no, now. That's still and in I theaters, want to go yeah. watch it. Yeah, I want to watch it, but I'm going to wait for it to be on, uh, you know, this, the, the Disney Plus service. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the anime movies were wonderful. You didn't have to watch any of the other ones. You didn't have to understand anything. It was all just a story yep. internal. And they had references, but it wasn't super important to understand yep. what was going on. And to me, like, that's that's kind of like, if they can do it that way, then it's fine. But some of these other, like some of, especially the newer ones, you know, Ant-Man 1 and 2 are a little older now, but some of these newer Marvel movies, like there, there's so much references to all the other stuff that's happened. And it's just right. a little bit like, I don't need to go back and think about that movie from, from five years ago. No, like that's not just, everything I, needs to be Lord of the Rings where you have to have yeah, like, yeah. you know, a master's degree in elfology to really understand yeah. the nuances of what's going on. Yeah. And uh, and I'd love to sit here and talk more, you know, Mandalorian and Bad Batch and Star Wars stuff, but we did a whole episode already this season <laughs> on Star Wars stuff. So, mm-hmm. but uh, the most recent one Sarah and I watched was Cocaine Bear. I have not seen it. I've heard it's good. At least humorous is what I was told, that it was humorous. It is. It is fine. It is. Uh, it's entertaining. But it's kind of just fine. I and Sarah agrees with me as as we both kind of felt they didn't they didn't push the envelope with it. So it's basically mainstream Hollywood trying to make a shitty movie. Like my buddy Luke and I like to watch, and and you were there one night when we were watching these movies, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like it's a safe shitty movie because, but it's you know, not like the, the point of the shitty movies, though. I mean, the best part. No, to me I is know. Like, the bloody mom tits and the sharks yeah, and the corn. All, you know what I mean? It's like it's stuff. stupid. Yeah, and um, and this one, like you've got a bear high on cocaine, and the the gore was. I mean, there's a little bit of gore, but it was like hyper, like almost too realistic. And I would say Cocaine Bear is more of an action movie than it is like a campy horror movie. And I feel like it should have been a campy horror movie with like the bear swinging his paws and like heads popping off and blood fountains of blood spurting. Like that would have been like super enjoyable. So I don't know. They were almost trying a little too hard or they they wanted to walk this very straight and narrow line a little too much. So, I mean, it's enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. It's an hour and a half. So it's not a three hour uh, blue people swimming underwater uh, thing. But, you know, I'd rather watch something like Turbo Kid uh, or maybe even Sharks in the Corn. <laughs> like Right, right. But I'm back on to Avatar 2. I found the near tit experience to be very strange in Avatar 2. Because they all, all the women have like these things covering their nipples, but their breasts yeah. are out. And it's like, okay. I realize this is all animated, but this is fucking weird. <laughs> maybe I'm just a prude. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know because a lot of people want to like fuck aliens or be fucked by an alien or a different species. And I think it opens up like a whole realm of like weird moral questions. You know, I mean, I guess fascinating. Yeah, there's a lot of thong alien ass and barely tit. You know what I mean? Like a lot. I noticed it. It was enough to where I was like, is this really what I'm seeing here? Is this kind of like <laughs> Japanese themed here? Yeah. Where are, the, where are the tentacles? Put them away. Oh, there's tentacles. <laughs> there's tentacles. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, uh, saw, we saw Cocaine Bear. Uh, it's fine. You know, if you're not uh, used to a true shitty movie, you're probably going to enjoy it. Even if you enjoy shitty movies, you're going to enjoy it. But I feel like they could have pushed the the envelope quite a bit. 
to make it just sure. you know more ridiculous their low funnier. budget comedy films, which well, is I know, a, I know. A, there's a, I say a, sh- a lot of access, you know. Yeah, I mean, I say shitty like in an, an endearing way, you know, like sure, yeah. They're they're usually yeah. small independent things or you know really small studios, and they just pump out a bunch of these you know low budget horror films. And sometimes they try to they are intended to be funny, and sometimes they're not intended to be funny, but are equally as hilarious. So sometimes the serious ones are even more funny because they're trying to be serious. Yes. So you know, I just I feel like. It could have been quite a bit better, but it was pretty good. You know, I think I still gave it like a seven out of ten. So, oh, that's that's decent for a modern movie, really. Oh yeah, um, and I thought it was decent. You know, they they did they did their due diligence on like the writing, so every every character kind of had their own little backstory that wasn't wasn't overly hammered home. So you you know you just inferred some stuff. And so that was nice because you kind of felt like you knew a lot of these characters, which you normally don't get in the low budget horror films, right? Like they're just, we're just here banging in a cornfield and suddenly there's a great white shark. Um, You don't really know why they're there or what they were doing, but you know, so, I mean, it was kind of nice that way. So, you know, I mean, yeah, the, the production value is great and the writing was good. And um, I just wish they would have taken it a little bit further. It's Ray Liotta's last role. So. Really, really interesting. That's, uh, gosh, that's sad. Yeah. Not that I'm a huge Ray Liotta fan, but I do know who he is, so he's got to well, be yeah. famous. Yeah. So yeah, that one was uh, was good. We watched uh, Marcel Lachelle with Shoes On, which is like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it's a mockumentary. Well, it's, it's kind of it's kind of like a mockumentary. It's not it's not intended to be funny in the way of like um, this is Spinal Tap or A Mighty Wind or any of those like mockumentaries where it's just pure pure comedy. Uh, but this is a story told in like documentary style about a little one inch shell who's trying to find his family. So there's some there's some funny bits and some sweet bits. It's, you know, like, I don't know, PG rated movie or whatever, but it was, it was good. I liked it. OK, let's do a cigar check, Nate. Yeah, uh, I'm a little bit over halfway and okay. I'm still and I, really enjoying it. I'm a little under halfway because I've been gabbing and, and you've been uh, been smoking, uh, which is the opposite of the last episode. But uh, I <laughs> enjoy- balance is important. <laughs> oh yes, I enjoy this one as well. This is I really I really like this one. This one is uh, it does remind me because just yesterday I had the uh, I had half a Kentucky Shrew because I only had one left, so I cut it in half and gave it to a buddy that was over, and he doesn't really smoke cigars and didn't know what a Shrew was and and stuff, and uh, we grilled grilled some chicken because it was it was cold, but we wanted to have grilled chicken, so by God we did. Right, um, it wasn't snowing yet. And it wasn't snowing, um, but yeah, this is this d- really does like when you said that. I was like, yeah, um, you know, sweet, dark, just good. It's probably I don't know, like circular diameters are different, but I feel like it's you know at least twice as big around as a cheroo or something. So it's not overly, it's not an overly thick gauge uh, cigar. And I wish I remembered. <laughs> I wish I remembered the red. Um, to oh, do the like Esperanto some... red is more of a traditional. It's a we we had the box press, and that's more of a traditional okay. Rothschild. Uh, very okay. good cigar. Um, that's why I was really excited about this one. Yeah, and this is also a Rothschild, but it's so dark and sweet. Yes, um, and it's Macanudo, which is not known for this style of like dark sweet uh, goodness. Have you been watching the new South Park? 
God no. Um, <laughs> I I don't mean it as like in a, in a God no kind of way, but uh, my relationship with South Park is I've never actively sought it out to watch it. But okay. if somebody but if somebody else is watching it, I'll generally watch it and enjoy it. But it's just not something because they've got almost as many seasons now as the Simpsons do. So. Oh, yes. I, I have a love-hate relationship with South Park. I watched every episode up until episode 200, and I never saw a 201 because they censored it before I had the chance to watch it. And after that, I thought that they should have ended the show. And, of course, they didn't, yeah. and I skipped a number of seasons, and now I've been watching it for the last two or three years, which they only had a couple pandemic specials and now this new season. And okay. they're on form. It's It's good. Okay. They're doing the typical South Park, talk about social issues and make fun of people. So yeah, it's enjoyable. Well, I feel like something like South Park isn't something you're really meant to watch all the way through in, in kind of a sense, you know, like, no, they're, they're not, they're not necessarily related to each other. Yeah. Each one's kind of standalone, but yeah, I really don't like shows that keep going and keep going and keep going. Sure. That makes sense. Just as like a personal preference, because a lot of times they end up running out of stuff. I think the South Park ran out of stuff there for a quick minute, but they're back on. Yeah. I think that the pandemic and a lot of the social issues going on now gives them a lot of fodder. Oh, yeah. To make fun of people. So. Yeah. They had like a, a Prince Harry or uh, episode, and then they had a St. Patrick's Day episode, which is pretty good. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah. I think one of my favorite episodes is the uh, Mormon episode. Dude, the Mormon and Scientology episodes are must-watch episodes, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every person Those listening really right now, if you have not seen the Mormon and the Scientology episodes, and go the and Easter watch it. episode is really good. Well, a lot of the early ones with Jesus as the main character was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the Mormon and the Scientology episodes are like. They actually explain what's going on in those religions in detail. Oh man, and I remember like the wonderful. first time I saw the Mormon episode, I'm like. Man, these South Park guys must really be on some excellent drugs because, like, a magic hat. And then I, like, looked up Mormonism. <laughs> and I was like, holy fuck. Are you dum, shitting dum, me? Dum, 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 I know, smart, yeah. Smart, 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 smart. I think there's a couple episodes in the arcs of each of those. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's, they're truly wonderful. Truly wonderful. Uh, uh, so I've got some news you might not have heard yet. Being not as plugged uh -oh. into the, the movie the movie news as I am. Okay, I was just saying, is, are all of our listeners ready for this news? Because they probably are <laughs> li living their best lives out there in the world. Yes. Uh, and this this bit of news goes out to our listener in Belgium. Um, no, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite movies is getting a sequel, and I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Because on okay. because on one hand. <laughs> Like one of my favorite movies getting a sequel, but on the other hand, in an era of sequels and like reboots and things that absolutely shit all over the previous stuff, I'm like, uh, well, do you have any idea what movie it may be that's getting a sequel? No, you said listener in Belgium that really threw me off. So I know I did that just to throw you off. So it's a cinematic masterpiece. It stars Keenan and Cal and Sinbad. Uh, Good Burger. Good Burger. It's the classic movie Good Burger. It's getting a sequel and Keenan and Cal are back. Is Sinbad back? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's not much details out on it quite yet. Um, I've never seen Good up. Burger. You've never seen... Oh my god. I know. I know what, I know, I know what it is, but... <laughs> Alright, yeah, I think sorry. that'll be a future episode. Mike will watch Good Burger and then we'll discuss Good Burger for one of our episodes. We can do that. 
you have to understand it's a Nickelodeon movie designed for like kids. So, oh, I'm gonna critically analyze it. It's gonna for be silly accuracy for you. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be just as exciting as the Rings of Power, which I'm now no, I'm threatened fr- with routinely. By the way, oh no, have you been watching any of them or no? No, no, no. Every night that we sit down on the couch, which is not every night, but any night in which I do sit down on the couch, Sarah's like, what do you want to watch? I'm like, you pick. Because <laughs> I don't watch anything. Especially not something yep. she's going to want to watch. And uh, she's like, oh, let's watch Rings of Power. And I'm like, okay. She's like, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> so she threatens me with it and then immediately backs down when I'm like, fine, let's watch Rings of Power. I can play on my phone all night. <laughs> yeah. So, heck yeah. That's yeah, cool. I I, you know, yeah, I, I understand your uh, hesitancy for the Good Burger. I, I, it was very popular, and I never watched it, but... Yeah. Well, it's like, it's a silly it's a silly comedy movie, right? It's a silly comedy, and the, the movie as is, is, it's a complete story, as most movies of that era were. Like, they didn't, a lot of times they didn't set up for sequels. And yeah, there was no need. It was one and done, and then you move on to the next project, and they're still creating new properties. So. And as much as I enjoy Good Burger, and I probably watch it at least once a year, I don't ever stop and think, gee, I wonder what the two characters from Good Burger are up to in the Good Burger universe. Like, I don't ever stop and think that because, you know, it's what, like 25 years now since it came out or something? And so they're going to be old. And are they going to be just as goofy as they were in the first one or are they going to have kids that are just as goofy or like what like you know if they're still just as goofy that's no bueno that's well no bueno. they can't they be can be ass. they can be like more be. mature and still goofy but they can't be the same level of goofy they were in the first one and then are you going to follow them or are you going to follow their kids you know because that's a, another trend is like we're going to do a sequel to this movie but we're really only going to have the main actors from the main movie in it for about five minutes. And then it's going to be these other people that you don't know and don't care about. So I guess I'm a little concerned. <laughs> There's a way to do that where they pop in and out. You know, the characters we care about pop in and out a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. That's not the trend right now. The trend is like the Hocus Pocus trend. Where yes. They just kind of do whatever the fuck they want. Shit on the original concept and... Yeah, pretty know. much. So, but I, you know, I'm hoping because both of them, I think, were involved in writing the first one, and if they're both back, then hopefully they'll do it justice and be good, good writers. Because uh, that's kind of the biggest thing is like people have these ideas, but then they don't hire good writers to actually write these ideas. So you're left with Hocus Pocus two or <laughs> other terrible right. things. Have you ever watched the YouTube channel Call Me Chato? No. Uh, he was a CBC executive. And okay. he talks about shows, and uh, he explained that a lot of these television shows, they hire the cheapest people to write because the writers don't get paid anything, yep. and then they can spend all their money on the talent, and their profit margins are almost guaranteed because they're not spending any money developing the property. Um, yeah. And that's a huge issue in the industry right now, is they don't want to spend the money. Yeah, and I feel like the writer's strike didn't actually help anything. Because that was several years ago, like 10 years ago or something, right? Like, do you remember that in the news? Yeah, I remember the writer's strike. Yep. Um, and now it's like everything everything that's being written is shit. And I don't think the modern audiences care. I don't think the average audience goer gives a fuck if it's written well or not. They just want to see exciting things happen on screen. And they don't care if it makes sense. You know? I, I, I think so. I agree. A lot of people don't read anymore. 
And yeah. so, like, The Ring to Power was good if you weren't a reader and you didn't have any understanding or desire for Lord of the Rings to be special. You know what I mean? Yeah. My brother liked it. He thought it was great, but he he's not a reader. He's never read Lord of the Rings. I mean, yeah. He's a reader, but he doesn't read that sort of thing. You know, he's more technical manual type guy. Oh yeah. So well, I think my brother likes Rings of Power, and he's read more Lord of the Rings and Tolkien stuff than I have. But I don't know how critically he watches things either. You know, in that sense. So right. because for some people, like watching something, it's just it's a form of entertainment, and they don't really analyze or, or watch it critically. And that's I guess the curse of film school, right? Is I can't watch anything and not be critical of it in some sense. Oh, sure. Um, like even even Cocaine Bear, like it was entertaining. Like I wasn't checking my phone or the time, like, God, when is this thing going to be done? But I wasn't left feeling like all the feelings I wanted to leave feeling when I was done watching it. So, you know, there's some critical stuff there, but I still enjoyed it by and large. And some movies are supposed to just be entertainment. Like I am a big fan of the movie Commando, and that's a dumb movie, yeah. but it's awesome. It's just entertainment nonsense. And yeah. sometimes that's really good. It doesn't have to be action-y, running man Every time, right? Well, no, and it doesn't have to be super, super intellectual either. I mean, my buddy, well, and our mutual buddy, Luke, told me about one of the films he loved as a kid, uh, The Barbarians, and it's these two twins that are like bodybuilders, and they're like absolutely ripped. And all they do the whole movie is like run around oiled up and like throw people around, you know, and there's swords and and whatever. But it's entertaining, but you're not going to sit there and be like, okay, well, so in this scene, the director did this and that. And like, no, it's just, it's an entertainment. It's entertainment. Like, it's not a super intellectual exercise here. We're just watching ripped dudes mess up other ripped dudes, you know? Yeah. Sometimes, like, I'm not a huge anime fan, but I do watch anime. Yeah. And a lot of it is just about flying sword people, you know? There's nothing nothing wrong with flying sword people. Yeah, it's not that complicated. <laughs> yeah, some of it is though. Some of it's pretty dark and intense. Oh yeah, but... a lot of anime is dark, and uh, a lot of it expresses a lot of feelings that you probably couldn't do in other film genres. You know? Right. Well, the best animes, in my opinion, are the ones where they either visually do something or story-wise they do something that you could not do in regular uh, film. Yeah, I I always bring up Tokyo Godfathers as a great example. You could not get away doing that as a live action film. And you could do it as a live action film. It's about a homosexual couple that find a runaway girl and they try to bring her back to her family. Okay. Uh, And they get they get beat up by people. And there's a lot of violence and a lot of scenes that are borderline psychedelic because they're pretty clearly drug users you know what i mean but one of them yeah one of the the one person is a transgendered uh prostitute you know that sort of shit's just not acceptable to do at least when the film was made that wasn't acceptable to do in any other genre you know what i mean it was like really gritty uh especially well they have they have different film controls uh there as well so some of the subject matters and topics and things they can get away with showing would never fly coming out of Hollywood. Right. You know what I mean? That's not a story that would have came out 20 years ago in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, I, I like uh, the original anime ghost in the shell. Uh, And then we watched one we've, uh, and your name is phenomenal. And then uh, one that kind of reminds me of, of why maybe anime sometimes is really good. And you could do a lot of these live action, right? They tried to do Ghost in the Shell live action. It just wasn't as good. 
but we watched one called A Silent Voice, and basically it's this guy it follows this kid who in school bullied this girl and then like reconnects with her later. And it's just it's like a drama, you know, like but it's not really a theme that American audiences or at least Hollywood is not going to really do. And if they did, they'd do it in a very heavy handed, moralistic kind of way, whereas, you know, in the anime it's kind of more here's kind of things that are happening and you can kind of draw your own conclusions and people aren't super judgmental in the film and you can kind of, you know, they're a lot yeah, less preachy. Yeah, their moralistic attitudes are a lot. Yeah. They're not they're as moralistic. They're, so yeah, they're less preachy, uh, which reminds me of two other films I want to talk about that we saw. Uh, we watched the new Adams, uh, the new, as in last year, I guess, Adam Sandler movie called Hustle where he's a basketball scout, basketball recruiter. Sure. And that was actually really good. Really? Like a really a really good film. Um, because Adam Sandler, you wouldn't know it from Grown Ups, but Adam Sandler has got acting chops, and he makes some really good films every once in a while. Uh, not all the time, but every once in a while he does. Right. My problem with Adam Sandler is that he very clearly has the talent to write and to act. And instead of using that talent 100% of the time, uses it five percent of the time and the rest is just collecting money yeah if you're getting paid to make a shit movie and just hanging out with your buddies like wouldn't you as well i don't know oh, like i, I can't really fault him. him i can't yeah, fault I him. him i just don't want to see it but you know I, I would recommend hustle so go go check that one out um, i don't even like basketball but this one was like really good so i checked that huge, one out and i'm a huge fan of sports that have a ball in them yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, there's no pins, no pins in this one, but uh, there there is a ball. And then another good one. Well, I thought it was good, and you might have to watch it. We might have to talk about it in depth because a lot of people didn't like it, which doesn't really mean anything to me because I don't really care. But uh, it was called You People, and it's Jonah Hill's new one. Okay. And it's got uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus in it, and it's got. Um, Oh man, I'm freaking uh some other semi-famous person. Well, I'm I'm blanking. He was in uh Coming to America. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Um and uh it's a story about an interracial couple. And I thought it was really good because I think both because it showed both families or both sets of parents, right, being their own sort of closed-minded. Mm-hmm. And not str- not straight out, like, they weren't straight out bigots, right? But they were, it was more nuanced than that. And I think maybe a lot of viewers... Is that the one where Jonah Hill was with a really, a very, very attractive uh, woman? And it was kind of awkward because she was so much better looking than he was? Uh, if... Uh, I th- yeah, I mean everybody's better looking than Jonah Hill, I think. Um, <laughs> Even thin Jonah Hill. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm not. It's not a diss on Jonah Hill. If you're listening, Jonah, um, hit me up later. We'll talk. But you know what I mean? Like, I don't. This and this isn't. This isn't meant as a slight against Jonah Hill, but I don't think he's going to be picked as you know sexiest man of the year or something. But he, right. you know, but he doesn't have to be. Like I think he's talented in his own ways, and I enjoy a lot of the stuff that he does. Um, and I liked his his movie that he made about his childhood, which I think was was it called like mid nineties? Was the one that he did? I think. 
or eighth grade. There were two movies that came out around the same time. They're kind of about the same stuff, but I liked his. Um, he just wrote and directed it. He didn't act in that one. And then this one is he is. Uh, I mean, it's not a perfect film, but I enjoyed it because there's quite a, uh, quite a bit of nuance around the two families because it kind of showed that it wasn't a white is wrong. It was more of a closed-minded is wrong, and it showed both sides being kind of closed-minded and setting these weird expectations for their kids. And it was almost more about the expectations for their kids than it was about anything else, you know. So, I don't know. I, th- sure. I thought it was I nice. Would, I like, wouldn't expect and, anything less from Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is extremely talented. So, yeah. I expect uh, anytime I see Eddie Murphy, it's like, it's going to be good. It's, it should be. Yeah, and I feel like he's fairly selective on the roles he does. He is now, yeah. There for a minute, he was making some pretty crap movies to make money, but... yeah. But I, I like that it was classics. Yeah. I like that it was a lot more nuanced, you know. Sure. Then it wasn't the heavy handed because it because it could have easily gone that way. And uh, they kind of had, you know, the big like climax is kind of like, nope, both of the sets of parents fucked up and they were both being closed minded and, and judgmental. And, you know, but like they were all trying to be nice. Right. Or trying to do what they kind of thought was right. But they never stopped to think that their children maybe had other things that they thought were right. So I don't know. I thought it was a good one. Not one that I normally would have like, I don't think I normally would have like looked it out or, or watched it except it was Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy. And I'm like, well, okay, (laughs) I got to give this a go. Right. But I don't know. Like people didn't like it. And I don't know. I don't know if they thought it was, I think one of the complaints was like it was too surface level, but I don't think that that was it at all. Really? Cause I felt it was fairly, like I said, fairly, I mean, it's a complex thing to kind of put to film. I read I an internet rumor that the kisses between Jonah Hill and his co-star had to be CGI'd because she refused to kiss him. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's true or not. That's all internet nonsense. I don't, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't know why that would be a big deal, regardless. Oh, uh, you know, it was just, they were just making fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. Making fun of Jonah Hill. Oh, I mean, I'd, you know, like he might not be my rabbi, but I'd, I'd kiss him on the lips if I if I were shunned. So, <laughs> yep. Oh, geez, we haven't done a recap uh, between Nate and I of that episode, just so everybody knows. So, no, after not yet, this not one, yet. we're gonna talk about it. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. You know, but I mean, no. but that's the whole thing, right? Like, that, as an actor, if the scene calls for you to kiss somebody, you got you kiss him. Like, and yeah. Stop, stop. You're not a prima donna. Like, oh, you got a CGI my kisses. Well, look at Brokeback Mountain. Like, two straight dudes playing homosexual dudes. Like, it's Uh, acting. There's a lot of things I don't want to do in my job, but I do them. I mean, they're physically disgusting to me. Uh, Yeah. One time, I don't know if I told you the story, but I got covered in some filth, let's call it. And uh, I immediately went to the store and bought a new set of clothes. I didn't even touch it. I walked in. I told the person at the store, like, I'm not touching anything. I yep. am physically dirty. Don't touch me. Put my clothes. Like, I want this and this. I know you have it at the store. Put it in a bag for yep. me and I'll pay for it. And I'm going to need to change. Yep. <laughs> and I changed in the bathroom or whatever. <laughs> and yep. I put my clothes in the bag and I went about my day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because I didn't want to touch myself <laughs> at all. Yeah. Well, there's things that I do at work too that I find repulsive. Like I had to answer an email the other day and it was repulsive to do. Like, why? Right. Like, don't email me. Don't talk to me. Just let me sit here. Uh, you know, but like, whatever. Like, who cares? Like, don't take the part then because you get the script 
before you say yes or no to the job, right? Like, oh, I got to kiss Jonah Hill. No. Well, fine. We'll find somebody else. Like, you're not the only person that could kiss Jonah Hill. And that's not even the point of the movie, right? So I'd be curious if that was true, if that's just, you know, people trying to incite a race war. Uh, I think there's a lot of that online. We've talked about it a lot on the show. I think a lot of this is AstroTurf. I think it's all made up nonsense to distract people from the impending nuclear war. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I guess... I guess we didn't talk about Russia downing a drone. It, uh, all right. So that is interesting. I haven't, they just released the drone footage <laughs> and I haven't watched it. I'm going to. Yeah. Um, I watched it. The damn drone was right off the coast of Russia on the edge of their airspace. They, we always have to consider what the United States would do in this situation. We don't even have to go east and west coast because that's what everybody's talking about. Let's we, say, we don't have to go to the Chinese Superior. weather balloons. It, no. What if this drone was over Lake Superior coming into the North Shore? That drone would be down. They'd make sure it fell down. Yeah, but it wouldn't be downed by it wouldn't be downed by the government. It'd just be all of us yokels out there with our shotguns, eh? It, right. They wouldn't tell us that they did it. <laughs> it would be a whatever, yeah. an error in navigation. And yeah. uh, I, mean, I haven't like, watched the drone footage. I know that they hit it with gasoline and it looked like yep. the propeller stopped. Not gasoline, jet fuel. It looked like the yeah. propeller stopped and it was going to crash. I yeah. don't. Did they end up hitting the drone with the plane? No, nah, they they dumped fuel on it to to down it. You yeah, don't have to waste I, ammo. Apparently, I, jet I fuel is cheaper plane. than ammo. I don't know. Oh, way cheaper because missiles are very expensive. So yeah, yeah, I saw a little bit of that where they they just sprayed out some jet fuel. The drone slowed down and it looked like it was already tilting and going down. I didn't see yeah, the that was, footage. Well, that was, I think that was where the video cut out because they hit it with the mm. fuel and kind of like fried the system or whatever. Sure. But, you know, like I'm not saying, I'm not saying the United States was right to have a drone there, but of course it's kind of, it's kind of always the thing, isn't it? Right. Like even in Top Gun, you know, is this international waters or is it not? Is it international airspace or is it not? Well, you're right on the fucking border. So it's just a matter of were you really where you thought you were or were you not where you thought you were? And of course, what is our government going to say? Well, of course, we're in international airspace. Like, it's not even a question in our minds. But I think, you know, Russia said that that airspace was their airspace because they invaded Ukraine. So now all Ukraine airspace is their airspace or something. So I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like it should really be a non-issue because let's just call it what it is. We flew our drone too close to Russia. And they didn't like it, and they took it down. End of story. Like, it doesn't need to be blown up out of proportion, really. Right. And just so everybody is aware, several times a year, Chinese drones fall and American drones fall. All of the major uh, countries are flying in space they're not supposed to be in. Yeah. And the United States got caught. Uh And, uh, yeah, that's just the way it is. Yeah, and even even drones go down in China all the time. Yeah, and even if technically they can say this drone was in international airspace, the fact is that it was too close to comfort for Russia, which the U.S. would have known anyway. So either we're trying to incite something more, or it's you know weird. we just got caught and we don't want to own up to it. It's you weird. Know, like. You're out of the draft zone, aren't you? Officially, you can't get drafted anymore. I'm close enough now to where because you're thir- you're over 36, right? Uh, I'll be 37 this year. Okay. So. Yeah. I think that 36 is the last year that you can be drafted legally. Yeah. Um, even if I were drafted, I'm, I'm uh type one diabetic, so I would never go anywhere sure. to, to fight anybody. I think if I were drafted, I, I believe that I would be exempted um, because of my job. 
Yeah, you'd be, you know, essential, crucial, whatever. Yeah, I'm a priority one, level two employee or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or if you were drafted, you'd be put somewhere doing something not dangerous, you know, because of your yeah, knowledge and yeah, skills. Yeah, because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a specialist. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I think if, even if I was drafted, I wouldn't, I, I would be exempted. But that's just for everybody who's listening. I'm not anti-war because of a, like I'm afraid that I would be personally involved. It's this is bad mojo, <laughs> not good. Yeah, <laughs> my grandfather was in World War II and it wasn't good. <laughs> Mine as well. So, but yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to go and die. But I also don't want other people to go and die. No, not ever something. Nah, it have to be a pretty serious thing, and this is not the thing. So, yeah, this shouldn't be the thing. It might end up being the thing. I don't know. I mean, they made uh, Putin a war criminal now, and they issued a warrant for his arrest or something. Oh, that's clever. Uh, the last pope had a warrant for his arrest. As he well he should. Think. No. Oh, yeah. Just so you know, I'm nubbing right now. Uh, my yeah, uh, cigar got... is very short. Okay, I've got another, I don't know, inch and a half left. So oh, really? I've been See, I am a little bit more. Three quarters of an inch or so. Okay, but yeah, I smoked the last one down to, to burning my fingertips. So yeah, this one's starting to get warm. It's good to the last drop, as they say. Yes, yes, indeed. So as we say, I realistically, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious, like how many other you know avid cigar smokers uh, do they smoke all the way down on the good sticks? I would think they would probably. I would think they would. Uh, generally, if you're throwing it away halfway through, you're not a fan of cigars, or it's a really sour stick, you know. I think we've had a couple like that. Or you have an income well beyond mine. Right, yeah. I'm not throwing away anything that's still good, let alone a cigar. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is good. Uh, it. I had high expectations coming in, yep. and uh, it met them, for sure. I yes. didn't expect the flavor. I wasn't no, I didn't either. I didn't expect the But sweetness. I was expecting something that was good, and it was good. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll do us for this episode. We'll uh, finish up our sticks and we'll do some reconnoitering off air and we'll catch you next week. Be safe. Have fun. Have fun.